you've been here any doing since the first of the year, you know that we've been in a series of messages on prayer, and that's co- uh, coinciding along with our uh, hundred days of prayer and our triplets that have been meeting. And uh, we're going we've talked about a variety of things about prayer and about praying in God's name. What does that need, mean? To, uh, is it uh, just a blank check or whatever and all that? But today we're just going to focus on one aspect of prayer. And it's going to be totally outward. I mean, everything else that we've talked about could still be something that we would focus upon ourselves and our needs and the needs of our family and maybe even what God's will is for my life and all of those things. But we're going to talk about one objective today with our prayer life, and that is praying people to come to know Christ. Uh, We need to be totally outwardly focused on this. And so I asked the question then, what is the connection then between prayer and uh, evangelism or witnessing or sharing your faith in Christ, whichever one of those you want to prefer? Let me give you a quote from a man by the name of Armand Gesswine, um, who uh, was a pastor, and he visited in the country of Norway in the 1930s when a great revival movement was sweeping through that country. And I have to confess until I started doing some research on him that I really, I never did know that there was that kind of revival that moved through Norway and then into Sweden. Uh, 20 to 30,000 people gave their lives to Christ during that time. And, and he stayed for a period of time over there and, and was really caught up in that revival movement and knew it, that it was founded in prayer. And he came back to the United States and he founded the Revival Prayer Fellowship. And this is what he says is about the relationship between prayer and evangelism. He said, prayer is the lifeline of New Testament evangelism, the oxygen for its holy fire. The New Testament was born in prayer. It knows no evangelism without prayer and no prayer which does not lead to evangelism. Isn't that interesting? There is no evangelism without prayer and no prayer that does not lead to reaching people for Christ. Now there are those who uh, might be uh, sticklers, uh, particularly about everything that we might find in Scripture who say, you know, really in the New Testament there's no one specific place that tells us we're supposed to pray for people who are lost. And I can argue to that point and say every time we pray and we're praying in God's name and for God's will to be done, we're praying for people to be saved because God's whole reason of coming to us in Christ was to reach people who were lost. And that was all of us. And to bring about salvation as He comes to us. And so we, we have to understand that behind everything that we do in prayer, even if we pray the Lord's Prayer, you know, that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're praying for people to come to know Christ because that's God's will. And that's what clearly revealed in the Scriptures. But I think for the most part sometimes um, we think about lost people and, and I think we exclude ourselves from this category thinking about the fact that, well, you know, I wasn't that lost, I wasn't that bad, I wasn't that far away from God, and I didn't need a whole lot of prompting. But there's a group of people out there that are lost that we just think they're lost causes. And, and those are the people still who value the God, God loves them, and He sent Christ to die for them. I want to watch this video. Now, we hear from our shallow Christian again with some deep thoughts about that whole process. There are many unfortunate people in this world that are considered to be lost causes because they seem too far gone to be saved. So I would like to suggest that while you are praying, you make a point to never pray for lost causes. If someone is a lost cause, then you should just give up on them and pray for people that can still be saved. 
I'm sure God is much happier when we pray for people that will probably become Christians rather than the filthy sinners and atheists that fall just outside of God's grace. Use your prayers for people that can still be helped and try not to think about all those rebellious lost causes that just aren't ever going to change their ways. These have been Deep Thoughts from a Shallow Christian. Oh, we hadn't heard from our shallow Christian friend in a while, and I thought that'd be a, a good reminder. Uh, those are really shallow thoughts, aren't they? But my fear is, is that those thoughts are more true than not. That a lot of people that we look at that are lost, they're lost causes. They're not going to be saved. And that's not true. We can't look at it that way. And so that's tongue-in-cheek, that's in jest with what he's saying. I want us to look at a scripture today. And here's the challenge for us to pray and to include lost people in our prayer. It comes from 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. Uh, and this is writing about instructions on worship. And the Apostle Paul writes and says, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. Now, in my opinion, everyone would include everyone, which would also include lost people. Would you agree with that? All right. For kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony given in its proper time. Now, you agreed with me that that includes everyone, and everyone includes all lost sinners. Now, how do we know that this is talking about the fact that he wants them to be saved, besides the fact that God's will is specifically given to us here? That this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Well, because you look at the outcome that Paul says should be of our prayers, and that is that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness. Well, I would suggest to you that you cannot live that kind of life uh, without Jesus Christ in your life. Uh, we cannot live that godly, peaceful life. And so, we're encouraged in this passage of Scripture as we pray for our leaders and all those in authority. And we pray for everyone, prayers of intercession, that we pray for those who are lost. We want to talk about praying people to come to know Christ today. And just simple two questions I want to answer for us today. The first one is, why should we pray for people to know Jesus Christ? And I think there are four answers that I would give to that. The first one is because of God's loving heart. We find it's the love of God uh, that's behind his gift of his son, Jesus Christ. Uh, God loved us so much. John 3.16 says that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him will have eternal life and not perish. That's one of the best known, if not the best known uh, passage of scripture in one verse in all the Bible. And it contains the gospel right there. The gospel in a nutshell it's been called. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You see God's love is behind that. You look at the next verse that's not so well known and it says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Now when you put those two together, you understand this is God's love. That he wants no one to perish. He wants all to come to know Christ. 
And his love is behind all of that. See, 1 Timothy 2 that we read, verses 3 through 4. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And 2 Peter 3, 9 plainly declares that God is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So that's God's will expressed in His Word, and that's His love behind that. God's love is broad and vast and reaches out to everyone everywhere, and so we should pray for those who are lost. Secondly, we need to pray for those who are lost because of the sacrifice that Jesus made. You know, Christ came for the lost. He clearly stated His purpose in Luke 9.10 when He said, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. And who was that? I wasn't just filthy, rotten, dirty sinners like whoever you want to name. But it was for every lost sinner. And that's you and me included. He died, Jesus did, to provide a way of salvation for the entire human race. And Paul reminds us of that in verses 5 through 6 where he says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all men. The sacrifice of Christ should motivate us to pray for those who are lost. And then thirdly, we need to pray for the lost because of the example of Paul. The Apostle Paul in Romans 10.1 expresses his heartfelt desire for his family members, for his fellow Hebrews, for his fellow Israelites, for his friends, neighbors, and relatives when he said, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. That was his heart's desire, and that was his prayer to God, that his people, his Jewish people, might come to be saved. And then fourthly, we need to pray for the lost because of the condition of lost people. And there's an elaborate description that the Bible gives for us. You'll find uh, one word's going to go on the screen and then a reference to a scripture that you can look up later. But first of all, those who are lost are blind. And in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, we find them described this way. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Second thing that describes their condition is that they're captive to Satan. 2 Timothy 2.26 says that we should pray that unbelievers might escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. So they're held captive to Satan. They're also condemned. John 3.18 says, whoever believes in him, that's Jesus, is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And then Ephesians 2.1 tells us that all sinners are spiritually dead without Christ. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. That's being spiritually dead. And John 3.36 says, Whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. And that reminds us that lost sinners without Christ, acknowledging him, are bound for hell, whether they believe in it or not. And also describes them in the scripture in John 6, as being helpless. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. They're also described in Ephesians 2.12 as being hopeless. 
They are without hope and without God in the world. Without God and without Christ in your life, you are absolutely hopeless. And then they're without understanding. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolish to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. I would be willing to, to wager that if you have ever been bold enough to sit down and talk with someone that you could really put in a category that they are just absolutely clueless about the gospel. That you would find that they did not understand anything you said to them. And that's logical. We have to understand that rather than getting frustrated with them and rather than getting mad with them. I mean, it would be like somebody who is an expertise in, in, in math, let's say, trigonometry, sitting down and trying to explain to me some intricate formula. I would never get it. You know, I don't have that mind to understand that. And until God works in the minds of people who are lost, they're not going to understand. It's, it's a frustrating experience, both for them and for you if you're trying to share. So that's why you need to pray for them, because of their condition. Now look at how they are all described. They are blind, but they think they can see. They're dead, but they think they are alive. They're captive, but they think they are free. They're helpless and they think they can do anything. They're without understanding and think they know spiritual truths and they are bound for hell whether they believe in hell or not. So what's the answer? We have to pray for them. We've got to pray for the lost that God will open their eyes, give life in place of death, enable them to hear, create within them a desire to understand, give them a hunger for Jesus and then grant them faith to believe in the gospel. Now, that's why we should pray for lost people. Because of the great love of Christ and the example of Paul and the sacrifice of Christ. And because of their condition. They're hopeless and helpless without Christ. Now, the second question is this. How should we pray for people to know Jesus Christ? Well, there's a twofold answer. One is for Christians. And here's some things that, that need to be said to you you need to understand. That's for Christians to speak to lost people. And you begin, first of all, by praying for workers. In Matthew 9, 37 through 38, Jesus said, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. See, we need to pray that God will work in the hearts of his people, some of them right here in Spring Valley Baptist Church, to have a greater compassion for lost people. And at the same time need to pray then that more workers, more believers will be willing to share their faith in Jesus Christ and the story of salvation. Then secondly we need to pray for boldness. Why? I would venture that any one of us in here who's ever said, okay, I'm going to share my faith, and you try it somewhere, you have, you've been afraid, you've been timid, you've been fearful. Most of us chickened out, right? I mean, I'm not criticizing you. I've been there with you. We just simply chicken out. We, we, we chicken out. And so we need to pray for boldness. The Apostle Paul prayed for that. In Ephesians 6, 19 through 20, he says, Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change and pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. 
It's just something about it that when we, when we get to the point for most of us about sharing our faith in Jesus Christ, giving the plan of salvation, asking a simple question, do you go to church anywhere, do you believe in Jesus Christ, that we get timid. And that's not what God has put in us. Now, we've got to remember that He has not placed a spirit of fear or timidity in us, but of power and might and a sound mind. And the reason for that is so that we can be bold, not bullish, not brash, not harsh, not critical, not condemning, but bold in proclaiming the salvation that's found in Jesus Christ and presenting that plan clearly. And then we need to pray thirdly for opportunities. In Colossians 4.3, Paul said, pray for us too. That God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Let me give you a word of caution. If you really seriously pray for God to give you opportunities to share the gospel, He will do it. So don't pray that unless you're willing to be obedient. Okay? But if you pray that, For opportunities, He will give you the opportunities. He will give you the open doors to share Christ. And then the fourth thing to pray for is pray for clarity. You know, Paul mentions this in Colossians 4.4, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. We've already talked about those who are lost don't have that spiritual discernment yet. And so we have to make sure that we present the gospel very clearly. When you look at the account in John 4 with Jesus with the Samaritan woman at the well, she had all kind of rabbits that she wanted to trace. You know, she wanted to uh, about worship, and she wanted to know about this, and she wanted to know about this, all these kinds of things. And Jesus kept bringing her right back, right back to the central focus of the fact that He was the Christ, He was the Messiah, and He was the only way to God. And see, we have to do the same thing. There are going to be questions. You know, one of the first things they're going to ask you is about, explain to me the book of Revelation. You know, you have to say, well, you're not ready for that yet. Let's focus right here. Let's deal with this issue right here. You know, they're going to say, well, what about those who haven't heard the gospel? Well, that's a tough issue. That's a strong theological argument that we have. But let's focus on on what's at hand right here. You see how you can easily get distracted? You've got to present the gospel clearly. So that people can understand it. You're saying, Lord, help me speak your truth so that even this lost person will be able to understand what I'm trying to say. Now, then, here's the second group that we need to pray for. And that is, we need to pray for the lost that they would be receptive to the gospel. And for them to do that, they've got to have, first of all, receptive hearts. Paul emphasized the importance of the heart in Romans 10 9 through 10. When he wrote and said, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. So we need to pray that lost people will have receptive hearts. And then secondly, we need to pray that they will have spiritual eyes that are opened. We've already talked about the fact that they are blind. Held captive by Satan. They need to have their spiritual eyes open. In fact, that was the, the command that God gave to uh, Paul after his dramatic conversion on the Damascus Road. 
that God said he had appointed him to be a light to the Gentiles and to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. We need to pray that their spiritual eyes are open, that they can see spiritual truths. And then we need to pray for a life transformed by the gospel. We need to make it absolutely clear that Christianity, belief in Jesus Christ, faith in Jesus Christ, acknowledging Him as Savior, is not just something that you add on into your life, but that He becomes your life. And I think that's one of the great difficulties in our culture today. And I'm fearful that a lot of people have really not experienced the life transforming power of the gospel because they have not been challenged to change lifestyle. It's just add Jesus to your life. And it's like a smorgasbord of faith. Well, yeah, that sounds good. I'll take his teachings. But there's got to be a change in lifestyle. Why? Because when we come to Christ, we are a new person. That's what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. And he says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. See, I understand that clearly. If you're a new person in Christ, then you've got a new way of living. No, you've got a new way of worshiping God. Then you've got new values for your life. You've got a, a new lifestyle that changes things. You know, you live for the glory of God. You manage your money and give for the glory of God. You abstain from things that you didn't abstain from before. Coming to Christ is freedom, but it's not a freedom with carte blanche to do whatever you want because your sins have been forgiven. It's coming to Christ and living the way he wants you to live because he made the ultimate sacrifice for you. You got to pray there that there's an understanding of the total transformation that the gospel brings into an individual's life. And it's not one where you lose all your fun in life. You might think so when you look at the typical uh, Baptist church on Sunday mornings. But that's not true. We should be the most joyous people in all the world. And we've got plenty of to celebrate. And plenty of things that God gives to us that help make life abundant. Don't need to pray for our lives to be transformed by the gospel. Here's, a, here's something you might want to write down somewhere. But it's this. We need to talk to God about lost people before we talk to lost people about God. That's why we're talking today about praying people to Christ. So you got to pray for yourself and be ready to go and prepared. And, and then you got to pray for those. Now, that leads us to this. Hopefully you, you uh, received a bulletin today. And you should notice that paper clip to it, there is a little card. If you take that card, if you haven't already done so, and just look at it with me for a moment. Uh, we've, we've offered these to you before, but it's just simply a card a uh, prayer card on one side, a list where you can put people's names for whom you'll be praying. On the other side is friendship evangelism. That just reminds you, you tell your friend you're a Christian, you invite your friend to, to Sunday Bible study and worship, pray that he or she will receive the gospel, tell your friend how to become a Christian, and ask them if they want to learn how to become a Christian. Now, here's what I'm asking you to do. Take this prayer card. There's a list for five names. You might not know five people who are lost. That's Okay. If you know one, that's very important. 
One lost sheep, one lost coin, one lost son was important enough in God's teaching, right? Put down the one that you know, or two or three, whoever it might be. Somebody at school, somebody at work, somebody you do business with, somebody in your family, okay? Put their name down on a card and begin to pray for them. You know, then build a relationship with them on trust that will give you the right to share the plan of salvation with them. And then constantly pray for God to work in the lives of these people so that they will be receptive to hearing about Jesus Christ. And then continue to pray for those even when they don't respond and trust God's will that He really wants everyone to be saved. And His patience is there. And that relates to bringing Jesus back, the second coming, and the consummation of all the end things because He wants everyone to come to repentance. He's given everybody an ample opportunity. There's still some portions of the world that they have not heard about Jesus. There's still some languages around the world where the Bible has not been translated yet. But the reality is there are people you know who are red-blooded Americans live in this country and they do not know Jesus Christ. They've never heard of Him. And hopefully they can read English. And you need to be able to share the gospel with them. Now let me wrap this up in just one great big challenge, something for you to think about. The first one would be this. I said, you know, gotta talk to God about lost people before you talk to lost people about God. Here's something else to think about that goes along with that. When you truly pray for lost people, this is what you're saying to them. If you go to hell, you will do it in spite of my prayers. You understand that? Because it just might be your prayers. That's the last barrier between somebody who's lost and the gates of hell. So you can pray with that attitude that says, my prayers just might be the last barrier between a lost person and the gates of hell. And if you choose to go to hell, you'll do it over my prayers for your salvation. See, our prayers stand between lost people and the gates of hell. And so we need to pray people to Christ. Father, we thank you first of all for your love and which you sent your son Jesus Christ into this world to die for our sins because we were lost. And thank you that somebody somewhere prayed for us and somebody shared the message of salvation that those of us who are believers today have come to embrace you as Savior and Lord. Now, God, we thank you for that and our life in Christ. But more than that now, Father, I pray that you will open our eyes to the world of the lost around us and that we will be more concerned than ever before for those who do not know you. And that as we pray, we will pray for those who are lost, seeking to pray them to Christ. And we will also prepare ourselves for the opportunities that you will give to us so that we can speak with boldness and with clarity the plan of salvation found only in Jesus Christ. And it's in His name that I pray and ask these things. Amen.